Okay, I've got a lot of places to go, so I'll ask questions for questions, but just a heads up. This is a huge, part of the difficulty, I'll just, um, is that this is, these are huge topics, and yet I, part of me, I wrestle with how detailed to go in a Sunday morning message. We can go deeper now, how slow, how quick to go. I clearly misjudged the, the chunk here. Um, but this whole issue of the law, I was, I was talking to, uh, to George back there. practically this issue of it's the law three parts and what does it mean Christ abolished the law is going to make very little practical difference in how we live our day-to-day lives. Probably the biggest places it'll make a practical difference will be your view on Sabbath keeping, on whether or not um, Christians are bound to keep one day in seven, as that is the fourth commandment. And um, it's going to also tie in to be a strong chunk in the argument towards infant baptism. But aside from those two issues, practically speaking, whether you take the civil ceremonial moral approach or whether you take the old covenant, new covenant law of Christ approach, it's going to make very little practical difference in how you live your Christian life. It will make huge differences in how you read your Bible. Uh, so it is a big issue, and yet it's something that can easily, uh, just it, even this morning, take up more time than I intended. So... I only got through point one and two. I did not get through point three. Missing blanks in point one and point two. What, did, what are you missing here? 2A, to create a new man. I know. Hyphenate it. Hyphenate it. Okay. Any other? <laughs> any, any, any... Newman. Um, any other, sorry, any other blanks that were missed? Okay. Questions from this week or last? Oh, Alex. Okay. So I work with a guy who I think he would say he's a Messianic Jew, mm-hmm. but he's not actually culturally Jewish. Okay. So, so he's Jewish according to the flesh, but not culture. No, not even according to the flesh. Like he, He's a Gentile according to the flesh. I'm just using Paul's categories yes, in this Gentile passage. Yes, Gentile according to the flesh, I'm pretty sure, Yes, who wants to be Jewish but Messianic Jewish. He should read Ephesians. Okay, that's what I was... It's like, is there a point? But, no, we're not, we're not Jews. We're grafted into the covenants and promises, but Paul's whole point is he took the two and he made something new. No, it's a better covenant. No, it is a better covenant. But the whole, no, the whole logic is not before the nations could come and be part of Israel. Now Israel and the nations become this new thing. And so we're not Jews. We're descendants of Abraham, children of faith. Your king is a Jew, yes. Okay. Okay, no, no, okay. Alex, okay. continue. Yes. So I have the additional question. Are Jews under any additional obligation in the new covenant that the Gentiles aren't necessarily under. And I'm asking because when we were going through Acts, it sounds like they, okay, so Acts 21, um, verse 20, um, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who had believed they are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? And then going down, 
Uh, oh, yeah. So do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus, all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observant of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, and then he gives a specific subset of things for the Gentiles who have believed. Right. I will freely admit that... I'm going to read a quote in a moment. Um, okay. That is one of the trickier passages. I'm not sure. What to, I'm familiar with that passage in Acts. I haven't studied through it. And it really throws a curveball to, to everything. Because Paul, abs- so when I read that, no, I'm with you. When I read that, and like, Paul, they're, they're saying that you tell the Jews not to circumcise, not to observe the law. I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he says. Um, I'll show you where he says it repeatedly. And... I know some people have suggested at this point, here's one of the things that's helpful, helpful, one of the things to factor in, is that it took the church a while to figure this stuff out. One of the things I want to look at is Acts 10 and 11 and 15, where the church is figuring this stuff out. Um, And so it's entirely possible that they're still figuring things out in Acts 21, that they still haven't fully figured things out then. Um, But the short answer is, that's a difficult passage. I don't have a... I don't have a good answer for why he does that. Some have suggested he just does it because he's going to submit to James as the head of the Jerusalem church. I don't like that. I'm going to read you my quote. Hold on. This is my punt quote. I've got a quote for punting. I was reading. I had a stack of books in my office of of Paul and the law because Paul speaks in so many different ways about the law in so many places. Here is the quote from um, Brian Rossner's book, Paul and the Law, Keeping the Commandments of God. Discussing Paul and the law is a bit like being watched while you carve a turkey. It's fairly easy to start well, but you quickly have to make some tricky decisions about which everyone has an opinion. And it's very easy to end up in a sticky mess with lots of bits left over that no one knows what to do with. And and the challenge is, of course, finding a way to understand Paul's understanding the law that deals with everything, right? And so there's outlaw. And that's a passage I need to, to finish working through. I will say this, though. I don't believe... Here's, here's what I want to speak strongly about. Ephesians is so clear, and 1 Corinthians, when we look at this, is so clear. There is not room in the body... Whatever you do with Acts 21, it can't be that there's two governing principles for different groups in the body of Christ. The whole emphasis of this passage in Ephesians is, no, it's one new man. And so one of the things that I think is incredibly injurious to the body of Christ are Messianic Jewish com- congregations and you know all these different... Eth- it's one thing if you're dividing up churches by language groups, but if you're dividing it by cultural groups or, or melanin content, you're, you're working against the body of Christ. The whole beauty of the body of Christ is this, this jumble of old and young and male and female and slave and free and Jew and Greek and barbarian and Scythian and everybody together in one body. The whole point of the, the strength of the... Okay, let's just go to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. So the short, the short answer is, I don't know. The, the long answer is, I know what it isn't. And what it isn't is, the Jewish, Jewish of descent Christians should go do this, and Gentile of descent Christians should go and do this. That isn't the answer. And that's, that I'm certain of from Ephesians. What to make of Paul in Acts is, I'll get back, I'll try to look into it and get back to you on um, Check. Okay, there we go. Uh, so, are th- is this guy like 
he's trying to keep like dietary restrictions and stuff like that. I'm I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know a lot because there's yeah there's like a whole weird cultish yeah. Yeah, yeah. like it's it's straight up Judaizing um, yeah. called like Hebrew roots. Sometimes they yeah. call themselves messianic. It is it is literally a, a repudiation of salvation by grace. Simeon, why is he louder than me? That doesn't seem right. So. <laughs> I can make myself as loud as I want to be. <laughs> Just kidding. No, no, that, that is, and we'll look at that as well. So 1 Corinthians 12, um, and, and I want to start here because this is to me the most significant point of Ephesians 2 and where Paul's going to get to in chapter 4 when he talks about the, maintaining the unity and the peace in the body. Our natural temptation, because we're selfish, our natural temptation, because we're fearful of what's different, is to group ourselves in homogeneous groups where we're like ourselves. Um, and it's just, it's natural. It it's just happens naturally. Um, so you get people like I've read a statistic that whatever the age of the pastor of a church is in about five years, the average age will be plus or minus five years of that. Um, and we group ourselves in different ways and different uh, subgroups. And, and that's an, oh no. (laughs) Awesome. No, that's bad. I think it's a bad thing, Greg. So, so look, at, look at 1 Corinthians 12. Because in 1 Corinthians, the Corinthian church is dealing with factions all over the place. There's factions of I follow Paul and I follow Peter and I follow Jesus. And then there's factions of I have the gift of prophecy and I have the gift of tongues. And, you know, this poor guy over here got the lame gift of helps. You know, um, so that's a joke. Okay. Um, sorry. Um, and... And Paul's trying to emphasize that the diversity of the body is its strength. So he's going to say this both, he's going to rebuke both sides of this. He's going to rebuke the people that say, you're not like us, you don't fit in, so we don't need you. He's going to tell them you're wrong. And he's going to tell the self-conscious person, I don't fit in, maybe I shouldn't be here. No, get over it. He's going to tell both sides of that, whichever way you're coming at that wrong thinking, whichever way you're coming from, Paul's going to speak to you. So... He says this in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, we'll pick it up in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. That's what I was talking about uh, at the Lord's Supper. Baptism, you're baptized into Christ. That's that's the notion. We're baptized by the Spirit into Christ. Um, or placed by the Spirit, or immersed by the Spirit into Christ. Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and all made to drink one of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not... So now he's going to first deal with the individual who thinks, I don't fit in here. Um, if somebody significantly different from, from what the average in this body is walked in, they might be tempted to think, oh, I don't. this isn't for me. Um, and, and the temptation is going to be, I'm going to go find a church with people like me. And so you end up with Messianic Jewish congregations, and you end up with middle-class white congregations. They don't call themselves that, but it happens. And you end up with black churches, and you end up with all these different subgroup churches. And it's natural enough, but it's wrong thinking. It, it, it really is. The whole point, if the ear should so, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Now, what's the logic of the metaphor? If your body had a bunch of eyes but no ears, it's a weaker body. 
It's not as healthy, right? If, if you're missing parts, people who've amputated limbs are, are disadvantaged, right? So if all we've got are one type or we've only got three types of Christians here, we only got three different, we only have fingers, toes, and eyes, we don't have ears, we don't have teeth, we're weaker for it, we're lesser for it. The, the, the diversity of the body is its glory and its strength, right? That's the logic. So rather what you should think, if I don't fit in here, like, wow, awesome, now they'll, not they'll have someone like me, but if I'm an eye, now the body has an eye, whatever, whatever I am. Um, if I'm a lower intestine, now the body's got a lower intestine. If I don't, if I don't look like everyone else, the body's going to be healthier with me here. No, no, the same. Okay. Figure out how to sign up to be a lower intestine. <laughs> no, no, I got, I got this from D.A. Carson. If I had to pick my function of the body as studying the word, trying to pass it on, I'd be closer to something like that. You think it through, it makes sense. Okay. Um, what? There you go. Right. Um, the stomach digests food and, and passes the nutrition onto the body, right? And, and a large portion of what I do in teaching minutes. Okay, you're not buying it. Fair enough, we move on. Okay. Um, now look at verse, um, verse 18. The next point is this. Who is it who diversifies the body? As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? So God is about the business of actually diversifying the body, which means if we're trying to make it homogeneous, if we're trying to get all the eyes over here for eye church and toe church and finger church and whatever, that's not what God's up to. That's, that's something we're doing. Um, then he splits to the other side. Um, if for the church that might say, well, we don't want your type here, whatever your type is. Um, the eye cannot say to the hand, verse 21, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Okay, so if you look at somebody, don't look, and you think, oh, we don't need them, oh, they're embarrassing, they're weak. You understand that in your own body, those parts of your body that are weak and unpresentable, you, you take greater care to cover and gird and, and, and clothe, and you treat with greater respect. Okay, so to do the same thing in Christ's body, if you conclude, oh, that person's weak, that person's um, shame, whatever, give greater concern and modesty for them as well. Uh, God, in verse 24, he reiterates the point again, which are more respectable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. So that's God's purpose, is a diverse, unified body. So no, I don't want the, the um, older generation, how do you want to be referred to, Greg? The, 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 my elders. I don't want my elders to go anywhere. No, and if they did, we'd be weaker for it. We would absolutely be the weaker for it, not, not stronger. Um, it's, it's a consumer mentality, because certainly there's a sense in which if we can get a bunch of people of the same demographic together, we can more effectively and more focusedly minister to them. And you just got to read, but, but the Bible is the response to that. That sounds good, but the Bible. And so any attempts to do that, I, I think, are fundamentally flawed. I, 
whether it's Jewish, Messianic Jewish congregations or the Judaizers, Zebs, no, they're people who are full on trying to get people to observe the law. Let's, let's go to Galatians. Because whatever happens, Alex, in Acts 21, narrative is not normative. So we're told what happened, and I'll admit there, I got a lot of questions about what happened in Acts 21. Here's what Paul says flat out in Galatians 6. I was talking to Dennis earlier about divisions in Christianity, and one of the things that's difficult is that there needs to be divisions. We need to divide over the right issues. We need to not divide over the color of the carpet. We need to not divide over um, personality cults. We need to not divide over um, eating meat or vegetables or, or whatever. We do need to divide over truth. Music, yes. Thank you, Mom. We don't need to divide over music. But we need to divide over truth. And so one of the questions we need to ask if we are dividing is, do we have biblical warrant? Does the Bible treat this as a big deal? And I'm going to suggest to you that on the issue of trying to bring the law back in, law-keeping back in, Paul speaks in the strongest terms I'm aware of him speaking anywhere. In other words, if I had to read Paul, I think this is his most important issue. Okay? We're going to get to Galatians 5, but I want to start in Galatians 1. So you've read Ephesians now. We've gone through Ephesians. Normally, Paul opens with a greeting, and then a prayer, and a benediction. Usually, frequently, I desire to come see you. He doesn't do that in Galatians. It's greeting, and then guns come out, and he starts shooting. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor from men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Part of what he's going to lay out is, I'm not here to please people. I'm not here to make you happy. Um. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Does he now enter into a pastoral prayer or repent? No. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one preached to you, let him be accursed, damned to hell. Anathema. That's right out just swinging. If anyone is perverting the gospel, they can go to hell, quite literally. That's what Paul's saying. Um, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So, So there's some alteration, some perversion of the gospel that Paul is vehemently concerned about. He's damning the people who are doing this. He's not saying go correct. They're damned. This is a big deal. What exactly is the issue? Let's turn to chapter uh, 4. Or just go to, well, go to 5. Um, there are those in the church who are trying to insist that Christians need to be circumcised and that Christians need to attempt to keep the law of Moses. Now, this is in response to your friend. Just go to Galatians 5. And that's why I'm saying, whatever the answer to Acts 21 is, Paul is so emphatically clear in Ephesians and in Galatians and in his other writings that I know what the answer isn't. So here's Galatians 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, 
Christ will be of no advantage to you. It's pretty clear. Now, he's going to clarify what he means, because certainly Paul himself is circumcised. He's a Jew. Um, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law, which is the second point I try to make to Judaizers who say, we're trying to keep the law. When's the last time you went to Jerusalem? Three times a year. You're supposed to go. Oh, it's really expensive. You got to... I'm not aware of the exception clauses in the law of Moses, so you just need to figure out a way and do it. That's, you chose the law to keep. Keep it. What you can't do is keep some of it. We're going to keep this portion and this portion. Um, look at verse 4. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. So the, the, the accepting of circumcision is as some, if you accept circumcision as a way of being made right with God, you're cursed. Your Christ is of no use to you. Um, Jesus plus anything ruins everything. Um, faith plus circumcision equals go to hell, is, is what this is saying. So would this be an issue to divide over? Yeah, absolutely. And we've got biblical warrant to divide over something like this, which is why the Protestant Reformation, I think, was wholly justified, because as Rome's adding in faith plus works, and you read Galatians, you're like, yeah, this seems to be a big deal. Uh, and so, should we divide over the color of the carpet, over the style of music? No. Should we divide over this? Yes. Jake. Uh, Jeremy, just kind of adding to that and piggybacking on what Zeb said earlier, I think it's uniquely the idea of, it's uniquely insidious, this idea, it still comes back around, that we take the faith that we have, what you know, the gospel that was left to us, and we add a little bit to it. Mm. And we see a lot of, and I think it's uniquely insidious because... The Jewish law is part of our history, so it seems to be a little bit more acceptable to be uniquely fascinated with it, fascinated to the point where we start keeping little bits of it. I hear a lot about this, and um, I think it's just tempting to us to say, well, we're both Christians, but I keep the Sabbath, and then we're building up that wall again. So now we have that division between us, and I just because it's part of of our heritage and our history, I just think that there are more people that that fall into that trap for some reason. I don't know why, but I've read several of them writing about it, and it just seems to be that they're desperate to find a little bit extra to add, like God's grace plus. And I think that's as tempting now as it, you know, because of our, fault, because of our sinful nature, yeah. it's as tempting now as it was when Paul wrote that. Right. Right. So, so the, the solution is not, and I, and I think just from a survey of Paul, the solution is not. Some Christians are called to keep the law of Moses, and some Christians aren't. Paul is emphatic on that point here. Um, and that would necessitate different congregations. The whole reason he rebukes Peter is because Peter's willing to fellowship and eat with Gentiles until the people from Jerusalem show up, and then he doesn't. And Paul's go to go to yeah, go to Galatians two. This is this is precisely what we're talking about here in in Ephesians, is that dividing wall being taken down. Look at Galatians 2, verse 11. Okay? Um, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men from James came from James, he was eating with Gentiles. He was acting like there was no wall of division. He was acting like there were no dietary food. He was willing to eat with Gentiles. Um, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself. He acted like that wall of division had moved back in place. 
fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Now look how seriously Paul sees this dividing. All they've done in practice is they stop eating with the Gentiles. How big of a deal is that? When I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Peter, you got ham on your breath. And he goes on. So he's rebuking the very notion of these separations within the body. No, Peter's hanging out with the Gentiles, but then the, the circumcision party shows up and we've got to divide again. And he condemns him as that activity is not in keeping with the gospel. So, yeah, dividing over these things is not in keeping with the gospel. Um, that, that's kind of the whole point of making a new man in Christ. Okay. With what time we have, I want to, I wanna, well, any other questions? i got places I want to go, but anything burning? Anybody? Who? Allostrander. Not really a question, more of a comment, you know, talking about the diversity. And, um, you know, as usual, diversity as it's used today, total corruption of what God intended in the body. And now, of course, we're beat over the head with diversity because we don't include not people necessarily, some people, but it's the sin and the lifestyle right. of certain people. Right. And it's just, it, it's no different than in any subject you can pick. Uh, what God has created and made good through the gospel is always corrupted and abused and minimized right. um, for ungodly purposes. Right. So anyway, just interesting. No, no, ab- ab- let, me, well, let me flip back, getting back to this law question, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring it in through that. John 14, 15. Does anyone know what John 14, 15 says? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So Jesus has commandments. And if we love him, we'll keep them. Which means if we don't keep his commandments, what? We don't love him. And that's the absolute necessary conclusion. So we are a gathering of those who love Jesus and those who are endeavoring by faith to keep his commandments. And so, yeah, we aren't going to be um, celebrating a diversity of keeping Christ's commandments. I only keep, you get to pick which seven of the Ten Commandments you want to keep. You know, I only keep these commandments. I, we're not celebrating that type of diversity. We are celebrating a diversity of background, what we've been saved out of, what we've been saved from. But we're all saved into the same man, the same person. We have the same operating instructions. We're, we have the same law of Christ governing us. We have the same instructions, which is why we can go to any brother or sister with God's word and say, hey, here's what it says, here's what you're doing, what gives, because we do have a unit. There is not a diversity in that sense. There's one head. We don't have a diversity of heads. There's one body. There's one spirit. There's one baptism. There's one Lord, right? And that's part of what Paul's going to make in Ephesians when we eventually get there. Um, so we don't have a diversity in that sense, but where we come from, what we're saved out of, immensely diverse. Um, and, and the glory of the body is in that diversity. So you're going to have poor people and rich people. You're going to have free people, and you're going to have slaves. You're going to have married people and single people. You're going to have young people, and you're going to have old people. You're going to have people from all tribes and tongues and nations and people groups are going to be saved out of all those things into one body, with one head, with one king, with one law, with one ethic. Yeah. And the world wants us to celebrate 
well, there's different ethics and there's different kings. and there's, No, there's not. So that's where we got to keep things straight. So I want to I talk a little bit about, any, okay, any other, any, oh, in the back, my, oh, dear, my mother. This is not Greg. Oh, Greg had his hand up. Oh, you have an advocate, Greg. I uh, just wanted to bring up because, or ask for clarification. Yeah. You, you said, or we read the passage today that Paul said to the Jew, I become like a Jew, to the Gentile, I become like, but, but we've just talked about how he, he told uh, Peter, uh, don't act like a Jew when there are Jews around. So right. make, the, make a yes. distinction of how that looks. Well, the key, the key context is evangelism. It, it, in, in, we, have, we have a liberty and a freedom in Christ in, in, the, in the church, right? And so in the church, I ought not to use my liberty to make you stumble. But I, but, so in Romans 14, you've got some people saved out of a pagan background who associate food sacrifice to idols, meat sacrifice to idols with pagan worship, and they, they can't go near it, and so they're not eating meat, they're eating vegetables. And Paul's like, dude, that's totally cool. They're not doing it as a way to be righteous with God. They're not doing it by keeping the law. They're doing it because they associate it with evil. They want to stay from it. Now, other people don't have that background, and they're eating meat, and that's cool too. And he doesn't tell the people who eat meat to not eat meat for the sake of the people who eat the vegetables. What he's saying is don't rub it in their faces and don't judge them and don't look at them and just get along, right? So in the body, go with your conscience. Each man's going to stand and fall before the Lord. Now, if I was going to go be a missionary in, in a Muslim country, I wouldn't be serving them food and, and brandishing. I would flex as much as I can to try to observe whatever customs they have that my conscience will allow me to observe, eating the meat and the foods they eat, abstaining from the things they abstain from. I think that's what Paul's saying. He's saying in 1 Corinthians 9, that I might win the more. So in your witnessing to others and in your outreach to others, you want to flex and become... Here's a basic principle. you got to become like that which you want to save. Jesus became like us to redeem us. we got to become like what we're trying to save. Jordan, I'm assuming when you, when you go to the Philippines, you guys are going to change some of your customs because I'm sure there are going to be different customs and patterns and... I'm assuming they're going to flex and not be like, we're in Christ, we have this liberty, look at us. Rather, they're, they're going to try to adopt the culture as much as their conscience will. Now, certainly, there are things you can't do. Paul does not say, to the adulterer, I became like an adulterer. Right? He, he, there are certain things we can't do. But as much as I'm able to flex, I'm going to flex so that I can win the more. So that's one in regards to outside. Within the body, there's this let each person's conscience be clean before God, each person be convinced in their own mind, and then stop judging each other. Th- th- that's the distinction of what's going on. So in, in Galatians, Christians from James are coming, and this is the in crowd. This is not unbelieving Jews. These are cr- people from James, from Jerusalem are coming. And because they're intimidated by them, and because these people are part of the circumcision party, um, they, uh, they change what they do. It maybe maybe an equation an equivalent would be something like um, if if uh, people from headquarters came and so we all showed up in three piece suits because well that's what they expect like if, if if you're dealing with other Christians I don't need to like fall in line with everyone else's expectations when I'm dealing with other Christians I shouldn't rub liberty in someone's face but I also am not a slave to to, to keep up with what each and every one of you expects of me that we all stand and fall in our own consciences. 
as regards to the outside, that's, that's a different matter. And as regards to our witness to the world, that's a different matter. That's, that's a distinction, Greg. That's no, a, fair, a fair point. Um, so, okay. Jeremy? Right. Yes. I'm over here to your right. <laughs> From the side. Yes. So during the holidays especially, it seems closer. It seems loud, Zeb. Okay. 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 So during the holidays, I think something that people typically focus on are things that are lacking. So maybe items that you would buy or um, they ask you questions, especially family, like, you know, why haven't you got a new house yet? Or, you know, are you still single? Stuff like that. How do you, and I think you sort of touched on this in the sermon, um, but how do you continually point people back to and remind yourself um, that Christ is the purpose and he's also the peace and the hope of the season? With five minutes to go. Okay. I like to ask some um, questions. No, that's, that's a, so the picture is unbelieving family asking you, hey, how do you point them back with those things? I, I think what, we try, what I would try to... There's, I have no law for you. What would seem good to me would be to try to find ways to communicate honestly. Step back. First, what I'm about to say has to be true. It can't just be like, say this, even though it's not true. One of the ways we make Christ attractive is, is we show in the midst of things that our world around us may find dissatisfying. So in the midst of poverty, in the midst of want, Paul says, I've learned to be content in all things. And so your friends and family look at you and say, hey, why don't you have these things that ought to make you content? You don't have them. Why don't and you can show a contentment that you have in Christ that ought not to be a put-on fake act. That, that's the first thing I was saying. It needs to be a reality. That makes them hopefully go, whoa. In other words, Christ is seen. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul has a thorn in his flesh, and he prays three times for it to be removed. And God says, my strength is perfected in weakness. And so Paul is able to demonstrate God's strength in his weakness. People look at Paul, and they say, wow, how is that guy not miserable? Well, there must be something to his God and his Savior that makes him rejoice. Something like that, similar. The exact words of how to do that, I don't know. But that would be something of a logic would be, no, I got... And showing your unbelieving friends and family members, I don't worship and serve and value to the same degree the same things you do. You know, um, not that we don't, not that a, having a home isn't a valuable thing. I don't put as much of a high stock on that as maybe you do. That's lesser on my priority list. These other things are not as, my price tags differ from your price tags and their value. And so I have a different way of looking at things, of, of what's important and what's not. And not that we'd expect, not that we're browbeating them, but helping them pick up, wow, Joanna really values things differently than we do, huh? You know, those would be some thoughts, but we can, we'll, we'll talk more. Um, Okay, there's no way on earth I'm going to do what I wanted to do. Because we have five. Okay, any other questions? All right. Oh, now there's no questions. Okay. Um, okay. Let me, let me, uh, oh, yes, Jeremy. Microphone for Jeremy. This, your answer could be, let me Google that for you, but um, Jews of today... What bits of the Old Testament law are they still following? I don't think their ceremonial laws still are being followed rigorously. Well, they don't, they don't so. have an active sacrificial system, so that's for sure. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, I was just wondering, I mean, for, for Christians, it's clear when that separation happened. When yeah. Christ came, he abolished the law. Right. If Jews are not following those 
um, law, bits of the Old Testament law, why are they not? Well, they can't. They don't have a temple. They don't have a sacrificial system. I think they recently, and there's a movement within Judaism to try to rebuild and get those things. So they, I think they have finally have the ashes of a red heifer. I think they finally bred a red heifer. They got the golden lampstand. It's behind bulletproof glass in the middle of a square, right? Yeah, Serena was in Israel. She did a semester. They, they got a fully functioning, ready-to-go golden lampstand in the middle of a square in a casement of bulletproof glass. It's so heavy, they're not worried about someone trying to take it away. And, but they, they're not, they don't have a functioning temple service. They don't have a functioning sacrificial system. Um, I, I think that they have spiritualized or altered nearly all those aspects. I think they did that during the dispersion that occurred from 70 AD until recently. Because until, until recently, there was no Israel, right? I mean, there was no nation of Israel. It's only a post-World War II product. And so for nearly 2,000 years, they've been scattered among the nations. And I think, I don't, I'm not up on this. You have to read up on this. But I think their rationale is in the same way that some Israelites were able to be faithful in Babylon where there was no temple and there was no sacrificial system. In the same way that God was able to be faithful and preserve and, and they had some way to relate. They weren't all apostate for those 80 years and, and 70 years in Babylon. In the same way, there's got to be something for us now too. Um, and so they just come up with prayers or washings or ceremonies to replace those things. But there definitely is a movement within conservative Judaism that wants to get back to, if they can, a real temple, a real sacrificial system, a real uh, temple worship service like that. I, I don't fully know what their answer is, but I think they'd probably say, and, and in some sense, conceptual, granted, like you could still be a faithful Jew, as faithful as you could be in Babylon during the deportation, even though you couldn't participate in, in, in temple worship, right? Um, and so the Dome of the Rock's in the way right now. Yeah, but... But you, you could, and so in theory, it sort of could be okay. I mean, they've got some precedent for that, but I think that's what they'd say they're trying to do. Um, and then there's going to be varying levels of that. But if you go to Jerusalem, they've got like lines up. Sabbath, right? They've got how far you can walk on a Sabbath, lines up, boundaries in the city. Because they've figured out how far you can walk on a Sabbath before it's work. Okay. So in Manhattan, apparently, since there's a huge Jewish population there, they actually uh, took that, that wire that you're talking about and ran it the entire perimeter of Manhattan so that they can literally go anywhere in Manhattan because it's inside of their, their area. Got like it. it's, a, it's, a, it's a cheater way. It's like, it's like the most, it's the gnarliest, most ridiculous like way to cheat the law and still claim that you're keeping the law. Like it's the, it's the you, whole. Stop beating around the bush, Seb. What do you think? Well, it's, it's, the, it's the whole thing that Jesus actually explicitly condemned of um, I'm not going to take care of my parents, uh, this money that I should be using Corbin. to take care of. Yes, it's, it's Corbin. It's for the Lord. So they're like, right. no, this is the whole city is my house so I can go anywhere I want to. <laughs> but you can't push the elevator button. Yeah, because apparently that's over the line. You can do anything else, but you can't push an elevator button. So it stops at every on, floor. Or turn on lights. But you can cook the food beforehand. That's right. You can. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's bizarre. I, and I, I don't want to bash on that, but simply say, it's, it, it, to answer your question, it's inconsistent. It's awkward, 
and it leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> but if, if I do meet someone who's trying to say they're keeping the, keeping the law, using my first question is Deuteronomy 16. When's the last time you went to Jerusalem? Like, you can buy a plane ticket. If it mattered enough, you would. You could save up and do that. I can't afford that. You got a TV? You got a car? You can't afford that. You could, you could do that if it really mattered to you. Um, I don't know what their answers to that would be, but the law is explicit. I mean, Jesus' parents, the whole reason Jesus gets born in Bethlehem, no, that's not because they get born in Bethlehem. Jesus goes up to Jerusalem three, at least three times recorded in his ministry because he goes up for the feasts, as he's supposed to, as a law-abiding Jew. So, okay, we are at time. I had this whole, yes? Yes. There's a women's event Monday evening, and the ladies have asked you strong men to help set this room up for that event. So show them how chivalrous you are. And strong men. We're not oh. diverse. We're diverse. Okay. Or women. Even Cyclone fans can help. We're calling upon the body to help set this room up for the women's event.